Welcome to Refreshing Retail. In this Ajo de Leza podcast series, we will discuss trends in food and retail. And we'll do that together with some of the main leaders of Ajo de Leza and the industry. What motivates them? What is their purpose? And how do they see the future of the food and retail industry? My name is Emily Zipson, your host, and today my co-host will be the CEO of Ahol Delez Europe and Indonesia, Wouter Kolk. Hello, Wouter. Hey. Welcome. Good to see you. Thank you. Yes. How are you doing? Very good. Very exciting to do this uh, for the first time together. Yes. So, uh, and I'm also very excited to uh, have our guest, Hanneke Faber, here live. Yes, so, exactly. Uh, so it's super. Yes. In this episode, our topic is the future of food. What are the main trends? What has the impact of the COVID pandemic been in changing consumer behavior? And what is the role of industry leaders? That's what we're talking about today. Now, each uh, episode, we invite a special guest to go deeper into the topics. And I'm very happy, just as Wouter, that she's here with us. President, Global Foods and Refreshment at uh, Unilever and member of the Unilever executive team. Hanneke, Hanneke Faber, welcome. Hi, Emily. Hi, Wouter. Hey. How, how are you Good doing? You I'm great. Thanks. I have um, a first question for you. Like, with what feeling did you wake up this morning? Um, I actually woke up pretty excited um, about this and um, yeah, I've been home basically for a year and a half. Um, so it, I haven't always felt like I was really connected to the world. But today to be here with you guys, um, with Wouter, talk about the future of foods. And actually this morning I um, uh, had a session with Luis Fresco, who's the president of Wageningen University, also on the future future foods, ah. also very external, talking about the UN summit that's coming up on the food system. So um it's been a nice refresher. Kind of feels like back to school. <laughs> good, good for the, for the beginning of the season yeah. after summer. Wouter, I understand you and Hanukkah go quite some time back. <laughs> I would say way back. Way back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we looked it up. Eh? Thirteen to seventeen. That's uh, right. Yeah, actually, uh, I came back to uh, to Aalt at that time, and you started yeah, as well at the same so, time. Uh, yeah. So we had a, a more or less the same journey. Uh, yeah. But it, it, it is nice, by the way. And I was really excited this morning talking to you again uh, for a long time yeah. because I, I was really curious like hey you know you come from CPG and you work with us and then you know you left again CPG yeah. you know what is the difference you know what do you like what you don't like if you reflect back on the Ahold I worked in in CPG for a long time before I came to Ahold at Procter and Gamble and, and sorry to butt in but CPG Oh, I know consumer it. products. So, okay. Yeah. Great. So yeah. So I. Ah, merk leverancier. Ah, merk leverancier. That's right. Dutch. Um, so and then I joined Ahold, uh, which then became Ahold Deleuze. I look back so fondly at my four years there. Um, I learned so much. It was so much fun. Retail really is fast. You know, they call sometimes they call the 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 consumer side fast moving consumer goods. Oh my God, retail moves so much faster than the so called fast moving consumer goods. So. I love that, but I also think we have a lot in common. Um, you know, clearly the products, food, um, you know, that, that love for food is there. The digital transformation, which, you yeah. know, affected us so much in retail, but also for us yeah. um, mm. at Unilever is super important. And then what I've loved about both companies is to focus on health and sustainability, um, where both companies really have its heart yeah. in the right 
place. Yeah. So, um, yeah. but that, that's really, but that has changed. I mean, mm-hmm. if I look at the agenda which we were having on, you know, in, in 13, 14, 15, and now yeah. it's been really become yeah. much more prominent and much yeah. more. Uh, yeah. So, on the other hand, what can uh, our Deleuze learn from uh, from Unilever? Ooh, I mean, I think we work really closely together. So. Um, we learn from each other all the time. But if anything, I, I think, you know, Unilever's sustainability journey is probably a little longer. Um, Paul Pullman started it back in 2010. Um, so, and it's really, really ingrained in Unilever's purpose. So our purpose is making sustainable living commonplace. That's why we get out of bed in the morning. That's really what we work all our plans around. So I think it's a little more central to Unilever. And it's... But I feel it's coming at Ajo Delays. And again, yeah. just as you said, it's it's really accelerated. Yeah, no, and I think so too. And uh, and, and, and I th- I do think that in general, CPGs, uh, that you guys you do your storytelling much better than we do. Mm. I mean, I, I think in retail, we do a lot of things, but also in the brands. Yeah. And some brands are more progressive than others. Uh, yeah. Here in the Netherlands, Albert Heijn is definitely leading the pack. Mm. Belgium in, in Delaz is doing a lot of good stuff. And but you see also there are kind of like yeah we have fast followers and we have people who are behind but I think the storytelling internally and externally is something we can definitely learn from from you guys yeah. and I also think it's longer in your history and that that helps that helps but yeah, uh, yeah. no it's um it's definitely other- something we share a, a, a lot also what uh, you know yeah. Unilever is as old as Aldeles uh, in itself so um, yeah so we, we do a lot of things. Yeah. And I'd like to move a bit further because yeah. um, you've both been in these senior leadership positions for a long time and um, you've you've given each other some compliments, chef mm. it, and <laughs> I've heard I've heard a few of you as well. But but now that we've heard you speak about this, let's move to the impact of COVID and um, what the impact was on your companies, the industries and on consumer behaviour. Mm-hmm. Both your companies reported sales growth during the pandemic. And of course, you also had to overcome major challenges, just like many others, mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody. Um, and logistics was often a big problem because many countries closed their borders. But I'd like to stick to the main topic of this episode, the future of food. What were the main trends in consumer behavior during the pandemic, Annika? Um, I think it's pretty straightforward and, and intuitive. So, you know, of course, health has been a trend during the pandemic. Everyone was more focused on health. So we've seen things like plant-based eating absolutely go through the roof. Um, digital, or we call it e-everything, has obviously been a big trend. And um, I'm sure about our student as well. But yeah. um, for us, you know, things like our Ice Cream Now business, which delivers ice cream directly to houses, has just been exploding. Mm. Um, at-home eating is interesting because, of course, people ate more at home, which really benefited um, Al Delez. But um, some of that we think will stick. Um and I'm being quite neutral about that because I have a big away from home business as well. So we have a business called yeah. Unilever Food yeah. Solutions, So, yeah. which of course collapsed yeah. because all the restaurants were closed. But I think some of that in-home eating will stick because people have kind of rediscovered the joy of cooking and of eating together, families at home. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think uh, is not going to stick? Oh, I think a lot will stick. I, I mean, the masks obviously here in Holland don't seem to be sticking. Um, <laughs> no, we're not doing that. Um, which we may we'll want a bit more of. Um, yeah. 
But um, I, I think the health focus, certainly the digital acceleration will stick and, and the uh, home cooking will right. stick uh, too. And, and do you recognize these these t- trends? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and, and we have the same observations. I also sometimes, I mean, we've seen a lot of activity on the digital part. Uh, also yeah. the newcomers like, uh, you know, uh, instant uh, instant uh, delivery. Yeah. We used to start it, and I don't know if you remember Rappi with Albert Heijn. Yeah. We did instant in the cities. No interest. And now suddenly pop, pop, pop everywhere. So it's really funny. But uh, I, I'm, I'm very curious about the home cooking. Uh, I am going to, we, we can see what kind of people are downloading from the Allahande and how long the recipes are. And before COVID, the average time for a recipe was between seven and and 10 minutes. During COVID, it was suddenly 27 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And now it's kind of creeping back to like, okay, 13, 14 minutes. So I'm really <laughs> curious if that home if that cooking will stay. Will stay. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but uh, you know, it's, it's an online, you see kind of like normalizing. It went through the roof, but here kind of like the steam is coming off uh, a little bit less. So, uh, so we see that. I'm also, what we also see in the stores is of course a lot of self-service, self-scanning, self being self in control not have other people touching your products. We see that also still sticking. People still like to be in control and they like the convenience. So that has really accelerated. Uh, It was very little in the beginning and it's now like 50-60% is self-scan. And it's not even that we promote it, but people just like it more. So, uh, And I I would love to to switch gears also on the health and sustainability part, on the healthy eating actually. Uh, Would be nice. Uh, And and what, I, what we have learned also uh, at implementing uh, the NutriScore uh, at Dallas yeah. has been very successful. And we've linked our loyalty program to it. So, so the, basically, if, if you buy better products uh, from a nutritional value, you get more discount. Yes. And that promoted a lot of healthy eating. Uh, yeah. through, you know, I wouldn't say through the roof, but very successful. Yeah, that's great. But what is, what is your, except for selling healthier foods and producing healthier foods and, and, and reformulating your products into healthier. What do you think of these kind of systems? Do you think they are useful? Do you support yeah. that? And because because we we need to help our customers to make healthier choices. Yeah. yeah. How do you see that? Yeah, no, I think a few things. So we're very supportive of health labeling and NutriScore is obviously here in Europe. Yes, there are other one, systems yeah. Um, yeah. around the world. Um, absolutely supportive. Um, NutriScore specifically, we think there's still a few. I'd love for the algorithm to be a little better that's behind it. I think yeah. visually it's very clear, yeah. um, but it's based on 100 grams um, yeah. consumption. So you take a bouillon cube. Yeah, no, no, it's uh, dark red. It's yeah. Dark yeah. red because yeah. if you ate a whole bouillon, if you ate 100 gram of a bouillon yeah. cube, yeah, you'd have a salt shock. Oh, and it's the same with uh, uh, olive oil or, yeah, you know, you some of the. Two ingre- grams. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so it just needs to be updated a little yeah. bit because some, yeah. some there's some funnies in there. Yeah. Um, so, um, but in general, very yeah. supportive. Because do, you, do you have other systems or other things in the rest of the world where you have? Well, there's there's with, a or? yeah there's there's a few that have been around a little bit longer, and there's yeah. also again some funny outcomes. So Israel's okay. had a system now for a while. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, we have some things in our portfolio which aren't meant to be healthy. We're a big ice cream seller. We know. Yeah. I mean, honestly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. ice cream isn't meant to be healthy, so I don't expect greens on ice cream. No, but that's so, fine. I mean, but uh, in yeah. Israel um, and mayonnaise, by the way, another one. So in yeah. Israel, our mayonnaise, some of our mayonnaises ended up with a green. I don't know how. 
Okay. You know what happened? No. Sales plummeted. Yeah. Because people said that. this cannot taste good if right, it's a great right. mayonnaise. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so interesting. Like, interesting. But I mean, talking about like new food products, yeah. um, have you developed any new ones based oh, on the COVID pandemic? Could you share it, a few with and, us? And, and is it, by the way, uh, for Unilever like Every new product needs to be at least healthier than the one before. Is yeah. that a, is that a rule or? Uh, yeah. yeah. So really, our strategy is to yeah. be boldly healthier. Yeah. So also in a category like ice cream, which isn't ever yeah. going to be super healthy, no. you know, the new stuff is either more plant based, has less sugar or less calories. Yeah. Well, so steps forward. I'd buy a spinach and a pineapple ice creams. Yeah, but for that to taste good, it probably would still not be <laughs> okay. a green Nutri-score. <laughs> yeah, I understand, though. I understand. Um, well, it's time to move on to the statements. Every episode, we ask our guests to answer to some statements. And all you have to do, Hanukkah, is answer with, I agree or I disagree. Oh, wow. And afterwards, we'll discuss them. Yeah. You won't win a prize or something. <laughs> uh, so, Walter, are you ready to share the first one? As long as certain customers prefer unhealthy food... You Unilever should develop new unhealthy options. Do you agree or disagree? Mm, oh, I don't. Mm. No, so the answer is no, but... It, you can go into it after I, the second one. Okay. Thank you, Alter. And the second, <laughs> the, second <laughs> one is, the second one is governments should introduce a sugar tax. Do you agree or disagree? Um, I'll say yes. Okay. Mm. Now, could you explain why you disagreed with the first statement? I'll repeat. As long as certain customers prefer unhealthy food, Unilever should develop new unhealthy options. Yeah. So I I think, and and it's stated in our strategy, we always have to try to be boldly healthier. So, you know, the next ice cream may still not be, you know, it's not like a carrot, but it's going to be either more plant-based, have less sugar, have fewer calories. So we always have to go forward and and consumers when they when they hear about that might not necessarily like it but it is our job to stay ahead and to set the trends and to make sure those things taste great because otherwise no one's going to buy them so um so i don't completely agree that you just listen to the consumer and give her or him what they say they want because mm-hmm. it's our job as food yeah. leaders to stay ahead yeah bowser no i i kind of uh, agree with the fact that you should, you know, I expect from an, uh, you know, from people like Unilever to come up with new recipes, new innovations, which are, which taste great and even better, but are healthier. I mean, I I would not expect you to introduce something completely unhealthy versus what you already have. I mean, that that doesn't, doesn't click with me with your strategy at all. And I don't think uh, none of the CPGs uh, should do that. Uh, I do think I, I'm worried about the, sometimes the speed of innovation because you have to cater for such a big audience. Uh, so global versus local and versus the, the speed. And um, You and mean as in faster? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and, and of course, everything needs to be an instant success these days instead of like you can trial and error. That must be so difficult uh, for you guys. So, but the statement in itself, uh, I completely agree. Okay, uh, whatever you introduce should be a better version. Yeah. Of sure, what you had. sure. Yeah. Now the second statement: 
oh, um, repeat, governments should introduce a sugar tax. And you agree. Yeah, I think it is the role of governments to set a level playing field. And if governments are serious about wanting um, their populations to eat less sugar, then there needs to be an incentive um, for people who make stuff with sugar to actually reduce that. And that incentive can be a carrot or a stick. The stick would be a tax. So sugar... You know, we can talk about it for a long time, but we probably should all reduce it. Um, so a tax wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, we've actually publicly advocated for plastic taxes um, in Europe, which a lot of our competitors didn't like at all. Um, but again, because we have moved fast as Unilever towards recycled plastic, for example, I want a level playing field because recycled plastic is a lot more expensive. Um, it's hard to get. So, you know, I want to be sure that I don't put myself at a competitive disadvantage by doing the right thing. So uh, bring on the tax. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> bring on the tax. Good point. Well, the thing is, will people buy less sugar then? I mean, that's, you know, it's just as with cigarettes. Uh, well, we, we, exactly. We've seen. <laughs> no, but we'll, we've seen we'll where reformulate tax, uh, goes faster. Up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, it's time to move on to the future of food and we'll continue our conversation about healthy and innovative food. Both Unilever and Al Deleuze have ambitions to offer more healthy products. And Unilever wants to double the number of products delivering positive nutrition globally by 2025. And Al Deleuze is working towards raising sales of healthy own brand products to more than 52% by 2025. Mm-hmm. Now, Wouter... <laughs> a lot yes. of numbers. Yeah. 52% is a lot. But you it's can also bit, uh, you can also say uh, in 2025 still 48% of your own product aren't healthy. Do yes. you think this is the right balance? No. No, and I, I do think uh, this comes maybe back to uh, Hanneke's first statement. You need to be bolder on this one. Uh, I agree. Um but but for now I, we need we need systems like Nutri-Score to really kind of push this because because the reason why this is is that um, and, and I really agree with you know we need to tweak it so it works for everybody. There there are too many kind of like uh, things that uh, but but a system for customers to recognize better products is really helpful. Yeah. And for for two things we can also reward because I am more. I'm I'm not so much of a stick person, but more the carrot person, especially in this topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so I love to reward customers for buying better products, so I can give them discounts and give them more. Uh, I also like the fact that, especially in our own brands, but also for you, if you reformulate uh, brands, they move from you know from a red to green. And you get rewarded for it. And currently, under the the laws, uh, only if you do more than fifteen percent of sugar reduction or etc., you can claim advertise it, it and yeah. you can claim it. Yeah. And most of the time, that is too much because then customers don't like it anymore. So you need to do it gradually. Yeah. And this is where Nutriscore is really helpful. And just a system in Europe that that customers can guide at least and they can make choices. And if we have that, and this is also where I need the support of governments and CPGs to to be able to do this, then I can have more bullish uh, statements uh, on this topic. <laughs> right. Uh, we're working on it and we can adjust these statements every year. So don't worry. <laughs> you're laughing, Hanneke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, but but you're absolutely right. And that's where labeling is good. And I think now we have labeling on nutrition. What what's coming and what we're working on very hard is labeling on carbon footprint yeah. because that's another area yeah. where consumers should have a much clearer choice. 
Yeah, you both? No, and, and if you, no, but if you, the more information you can share about where it's coming from, what is the footprint, uh, and especially also with our digital uh, you know, devices, we can scan products easily and people who are interested to make better choices and better options and give, we can give also alternatives like, hey, if you, if you buy this product, it has a lower CO2 imprint or this has, you know, it would be so helpful. Yeah. And, just, and we can make it easy as a retailer by our apps and... Uh, but this is, I think, where we also need to work together with the industry Absolutely. to go forward yes. with that. Because Absolutely, because you don't want 150 eco-labels. No. Uh, you want one. No, it's the same as the history of the barcode. I <laughs> yeah, mean, it's at just some too point, much. The, the industry much. Uh, worked together to develop that. That was really helpful. But now we have to make some next steps on this one. Yeah. yeah. Okay, thank you. Now, you both depend a lot on your industry partners and Unilever needs it farmers to deliver healthy crops, for instance, and uh, Al Deleza needs it suppliers. And the both of you have a lot of market power. How do you use that for the good cause in terms of healthy food? And I think farmers are incredibly important for both of us. If anything, more for Al Deleza because you guys buy so much fresh vegetables, uh, fruits, yeah. meat, um, more than us. One of the thi- but we we also are big buyer of um, you know things like tomatoes, onions, oils uh, for our products, dairy of course um, a lot. In that space, um, we've committed to a regenerative agriculture code, which is very complicated. Regenerative agriculture, but it basically means agricultural practices that have a positive impact on the soil and on uh, greenhouse gas emissions. Which and today. It's all negative. Mm. We have three lighthouses in place now. Um, tomatoes in Spain, tomatoes in India, and rice in the U.S., where we're working with farmers, universities, and suppliers to put those practices in place. These are multi-year projects. Um, and we announced last year a 1 billion euro climate and nature fund to do exactly this in many more places because it would be great if there was one food system, but unfortunately there is lots of crops, lots of regions, all with their own food system that needs improvement. But I would imagine at Al Deleuze that you guys are also looking at these agricultural practices as a way of being more sustainable. Yeah, and the, and, and the difficulty for us is we sometimes work with real strategic partners for long term. So that's where we can do these kind of investments and also work together on a much more kind of like a healthier system. But we still also in a lot of countries are working just with random farmers or with cooperatives where we don't have the control. So uh, mm-hmm. it is the question for us is also you, do you need to maybe integrate more kind of like uh, having your own farms, having your own land, having your own... Uh, because also the availability of uh, products is getting less and less or more and more difficult yeah. also with... Uh, everything was happening on the climate. So, uh, but for us, is, that's uh, that's a big uh, topic, and uh, and we're trying to figure out what is best here. In the Netherlands, we have some good initiatives with uh, dairy farmers and cheese farmers, but you know, in the other countries, it's still difficult. Yeah, yeah, it might be a good place for us to have a discussion uh, in yeah. the near future. Yeah, well, uh, the, 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 I yeah. Think in the more, near future, uh, as, <laughs> how soon? How soon? The, 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 yeah. the future is now, so the, exactly. uh, so, so that's yeah. where we are. And yeah. then, of course, in all honesty, let's face yeah. it. You're also competitors. I mean, Al Deleza yeah. sells its own brands as well as Unilever brands. And Unilever is also a major supplier, which means you're also partners. And mm. do you work together in the field of R&D? Do you advise each other, for instance? 
Not really, because we are frenemies, right? <laughs> <Frenemies>. <laughs> I love that one. So we compete. Yeah. I want my ice cream to be better than his ice cream. So uh, no, not yeah. in R and D, but in very many other areas. No, we and we, we and, and and I think the dimensions of com- competition is of course on on private brands and yeah. A brands, and also with other retailers, and also with uh, of course you also building relationships with the new channels, which we yeah. see as a. You know, competition too. Yeah. So yeah. So it's uh, it's it's it is not easy, and and I think we at a certain level can talk about you know we should do this together, but if the buyers are you know they're just focused on you know what are you doing there in competitor A and competitor B and, uh, and you know that's a different dynamic and it is a dilemma I think. It's, well, exactly uh, because. All in yeah. the end, you all want the well, same. There, there's yeah, but, there's but, a short-term uh, focus and long-term yeah. focus. And, and I think and on I, the long-term, you need each other on yeah. a, on a, to, to improve systematically. Even with you know my direct competitors, people like Nestle and Mondelez, um, Danone, um, we have pre-competitive working groups, again, on areas like regenerative agriculture because we need mm. each other. We need to work together. So if we can do that with those direct competitors, there's no reason yeah. why we couldn't do it no. with retailers. So there could yeah. be more yeah. collaboration then, yeah, you yeah. could say. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. certainly in areas like plastic as well. Yeah, no, CO2, plastic, I think yeah. promoting healthy uh, eating, I think, uh, yeah. and, and food waste which is also a big topic. Yeah. So uh, those <laughs> four do, areas... Yeah, we could do a whole podcast. No, 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 but uh, the, the whole four areas, I think we'll, uh, we'll definitely uh, could, could find yeah. each other, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, um, looking further ahead, say like 20 years from now. Wow, so, <laughs> that's a long time. Well, that's a long time. Yeah. Well, let's say 10 years, okay? <laughs> yes. what, what, what is your biggest wish when it comes to food innovation, Hanukkah? Well, I think, well, this is very high over, but the planet needs all of our agriculture to be regenerative or we won't be here. And it's that serious. So that's my biggest wish. It's not, you know, what's the next Ben and Jerry's flavor? Um, We'll come up with those, don't worry. Mm. Um, But the way we source our fruits, our vegetables, our oils has to change or we will have no forest left and we'll all be underwater. Exactly. Wouter, what would you like to add? No, on top of this. well, I, I think from a food point of view and a food system point of view, I, I think that's completely correct. What, what I also sometimes dream of, uh, if I look at the retail part, uh, that that of course we are, uh, uh, we have stores, we have thousands of stores, we have a lot of logistical activities. Uh, I would really like to dream that a store becomes not only kind of a real community center, but also a center where which generates energy instead of uh, produce or, or, or eats energy, but uh, actually gives energy to an environment or uh, so that it becomes kind of the other way around, you know, instead of taking, it's giving. That will be my uh, dream. A regenerative store. I like it. Yeah. Because uh, because actually, if you really go deeper, uh, there's a lot of activity. You could turn the energy around into something positive and give it away to the community. So uh, so that's uh, so. If we fix the food system, but we also fix the kind of the distribution towards the customer, I think we'll do a good job. So um, with your new apron, what's for dinner tonight? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I, I have a. Um, 
uh, supervisory board meeting of Paradiso tonight. Okay. So, and, and we get uh, a salad bowl. So, uh, so I'm not going to cook anything. That's quite, and, uh, uh, quite healthy for a pop venue. It, it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, that's, uh, they are having tough times as well, of True. course. And, um, and we, have, uh, we also like healthy eating there. But, uh, good, but good. I'm um, good, good. not Sounds for good. every day or but for I me. I think your fake leather apron might look really good at Paradiso. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but then they probably want to, me to take the shirt off as well. Think, yeah. <laughs> it seems like there's quite a lot of room for humor in retail. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we are people business, eh? so uh, so we uh, and 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 I think our our jobs are serious jobs, but it's also we should also have a spark uh, so once in a while together. And Hanneke, what's your favorite yeah, of course, type of food? Or my husband will kill me. <laughs> <laughs> and he is probably the first listener as well of this <laughs> That's podcast. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And is that yeah. Greek vegetarian or? Hey, the Greeks do a really nice job with their vegetables, actually. You know, from yeah. moussakas yeah. to Greek yeah. salads, it's fantastic. Yeah. Mm. Well, uh, Hanneke Faber, Wouter Kolk. Thank you so much for this conversation. Uh, thank you, Wouter, also for co-hosting. And thank you all for listening. And if you want to hear more about the future of food and retail, please listen to other episodes of Refreshing Retail in your favorite podcast app. <laughs>